Man, I had a cool experience this morning. I got to walk in at 10.25, and, uh, which is still like early for some of you. Um, but I'm used to being here at like 7.30 and helping to just find trouble and where I can stick my nose in where it doesn't belong and try to help out to do the things that I used to have to do. And uh, Benjamin had the third game of his uh, lacrosse tournament this morning. They won, and uh, so that was exciting. And, uh, you know, Sunday morning was like, sorry, guys, I can't be there. And we found out the game was at 8. And I'm like, I got people, man. I'm going to the game. And so texted the staff, said, I'm going to roll in like, you know, like those people back there at 10, at 1027. And, uh, and man, it was cool. Daniel uh, held the stop sign up for me. And I walked across. And I was greeted by Doug at the door. And and uh, Jason inside, and I thought, man, this is good. I, I really appreciate that, so I'm going to do it next week, too. Uh, but uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's good uh, to uh, have a mom, and uh, I've got a good one, and uh, Danielle does, too, and, and uh, we, we just are so... Uh, Family means a lot to us. There's a reason why we've, we've named the church this. It's on our heart. Uh, we do life family style, and, and I believe the church should move that way. And so uh, we, honor, uh, we honor the ladies today and, and, uh, and so thankful for that. We're in a series called Margin where we are making space for God in a maxed out life. And as I said last week, King Hypocrite is preaching to you. And so, because I went from a lacrosse game to church this morning. So, you want to talk about fitting stuff in, uh, we do it all. And, and uh, so, Ben and I left the house at 6 o'clock this morning and, and you know, get to the field on time and, and uh, not as pretty as yesterday. And, um, but we played in the mud and like I said, they won and, and then, you know, come from, all the way from Dublin, you know, I... I don't know why people live up there, and uh, but um, our worst traffic, like on Friday evenings, is like there Thursday at three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, it's just crazy up there, and so all the way in from Dublin. But but we have to get a hold of this, and this is something that that we will cycle through on purpose as a church because I believe it's a a human problem. It's it's something that we always tend to do. I can remember um, uh, I would always stuff. My pockets. Guys, we love our pockets, right? We make fun of the ladies with their purses, but man, I will stuff some stuff into my pockets. And, and so it's like we will take any space and just cram it full of stuff. And, and we will do it with our relationships. We'll do it with our finances. We'll do it with our calendar. We'll do it with our refrigerator. Uh, we'll do it just, it's just our, our nature. And so God wants us to make room for him. And so we've talked about time. We've talked about possessions. You can find those messages online at our website, picktownfc.com, or through, our, uh, through Facebook Live. You can watch the videos. It's kind of fun. And we've had this illustration, this whole series of a garden. And what I love about I'm a planner as far as when I'm getting ready to do something. We, we've just put in our own pool in the backyard. And so this is something like we have agonized over and, and you save for and you plan and you lay out and, and you plan again and you look. But anytime you have this project or you're looking at this, this space that you're going to plant some things, uh, tomatoes, peppers, whatever else, you are envisioning what the final product is when you're looking at that piece of ground right? And so we do the same thing with our kids. 
uh, with our grandkids uh, coming soon to me in July uh, to visit, which will be nice. And you can look at this fresh, you know, this 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 new creation, this new piece of dirt, this this project is laying in pieces, and you think, oh my goodness, just think of what could happen with this. And and we get to kind of live that out here as a young church. It's it's we're wide open when it comes to just dreaming right now and what this place is going to look like, what our ministry is going to look like. And I'm so excited for our first big women's event. They are working hard on this. We've got to support this because we are going to pick strategic things to do to to minister to our community and and to build the kingdom. And so, but we look at these things and you have this this blank palette. And this blank canvas, and you think, I know what it's going to look like. And I, I read a quote from Michelangelo, and, and, and it says that he could see the, the statue inside the chunk of marble. And he would just, he would carve until what, came, what he knew was there came out, right? And so we've got this opportunity with life, and, and God wants us to consider the fruit that we want and then choose to plant accordingly. And so for me, this margin series is so important that we keep teaching on this because I want my life to not bear the fruit of stress. It'll produce fruit. You're just not going to want to eat it, right? And your spouse isn't going to want it and your kids aren't going to like it and your coworkers aren't going to like it. And so it's going to produce fruit. And so we've got to look at the garden and say, God, I need some help pulling some weeds, replanting some things, getting rid of this, because this is where I'm going. This series margin is really about trust. Because when we cram stuff full, that's our way of handling everything. And, and so this series is about making space for God. And so for me to make space for Him in my time, in my finances, in my relationships with people, means that I am de deciding to trust Him. Does that make sense? Because I am declaring by those actions that I am not going to figure this out. And that by me stuffing my pockets and, and filling the calendar isn't going to move the needle on the kingdom of God. It's just not going to. It's going to leave me burned out. I might, get some, I might make some fireworks happen for a little while. And I've seen this in ministry. I've seen this in families. You see this in the workplace. You see this uh, in kids. You'll see this burst of energy and this unhealthy level of, of, of commitment to something, and then there's this crash and burn at some point, right? And so we've got to be careful even in the ministry that, that we stay healthy, uh, that, that we're taking our time with things, that people are taking breaks from serving, and that I'm taking breaks from serving. And, and so we've got to look at this. When we put margin into the different things in our life, we are trusting God instead of ourselves. I want you to consider your relationship part of the garden today. What's growing? What's there that you like? What's there that you don't like? What is there that's being fruitful that you really don't want to be? Like, I mean, those weeds, man... I tried to pull this thing out there. It just laughed at me and said, come back with a shovel, pal. It's like, it's, they'll grow, right? And so they're being fruitful. I mean, 
I've got neighbors that think dandelions are pretty. Like, they're being fruitful, but it isn't anything I want to look at. So I just drop off, you know, bags of Scott's fertilizer on my neighbor's, you know, front porches at night. I don't do that. Um, I've thought about it. I have thought about it. Like, $30, and I don't have to look at those. Like, come on now. Do I have a problem? Yes, I have a problem. But what's growing there? There's a reason why I'm doing the things that, that make my grass prettier and the weeds die. There's, there's a reason. I want the things that I want to be healthy. So look at your relationship garden right now. And if you need help, ask your spouse. How's my relationship garden? Don't ask your spouse now. Uh, we don't need, we don't, I don't have time for counseling right now. Um, look at your relationship garden. How, how is it? I've got siblings. I've got friends. I've got... Uh, co-workers at my other job I've got people that work alongside me here and um, and I've got a wife I've got parents um, I've got kids I've got relationships that's how I live my life right how are they growing how are my kids doing how am I doing with my kids I, I've, I've really enjoyed this lacrosse season because it's given Ben and I we do most of the games together and it's like you got that time in the car. You know, we might just be listening to Zach Brown Band, but it's him and me singing, and, you know, we're together. It's good, right? So I've got my kids. I've got my, my wife. I've got my parents. And, and I've got these people. And, and if we look at this, and it's like, oh, man, this part's not doing very well. I've got weeds over here. Uh, this, this part's not growing at all. And so God wants to, to make room in this for Him because we can't figure this out on our own. God wants to be first in all of our relationships, uh, whether we're as an employee, whether we're as a friend or as a spouse. He wants us to make room for Him to trust Him with all of these relationships because we will botch every single one of them if you haven't noticed already. Uh, let me start with Ephesians 6.1 this morning. I'm going to start with a relationship that I guarantee everyone in this room has. Parents, I'm pretty sure you're a product of some people, right? Yes, that's, a, that's, that's an easy yes. So I, this is one that we all have. Um, you are a product of people. And, uh, and so, now I don't know the status of that relationship, and so you might have had an aunt help raise you, or a grandparent, or a single parent. Uh, you may not know or currently have one or both of your parents. I mean, these, these, situ these relationships uh, can be affected by life in different situations. But listen to God's Word in Ephesians 6, 1-3. It says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. God attaches a blessing to honoring our parents. And this doesn't change, by the way, as you move out of the house. Um, Benjamin, he's not here, so he'll just be the top. He'll be my example today. He is determined to own a motorcycle. Uh, he's 14, and you may like motorcycles, but my son will not be riding a motorcycle while he lives with 
in my house. It's just the way it is. He has a dirt bike and four-wheelers and stuff like that, but there's also not an 18-wheeler right next to him in the next lane, okay? So this is just something dad's brain can't compute. If your kid can have a motorcycle, that's great. So he has a plan that he is going to move in with his grandparents as soon as he turns 18 because he's convinced that they will let him have a motorcycle. So I will have to have a side conversation with everyone in my network of influence and just say that if you want to stay my friend uh, connected to me, you are not allowed to provide a resting place for my son and his motorcycle. And uh, I'm being ornery, but we still have this obligation, this privilege, I will say, to honor our parents as we move forward in life. Your parents may have passed away by now, but you still have the privilege of living your life in a way that honors your parents. Because guess what I think of when I see a bratty kid in the nursery, no, no, not in our nursery, uh, let's see, at Walmart or something. Not your precious. I'm thinking about what's mom's problem. Now, I've been around enough kids to know that every kid can act quite jerky. But when I see a kid that's a brat, my thought is going to mom and dad. When I see a kid acting well, that, they weren't born that way. Now, some kids are naturally more compliant and pleasing. I had one out of three of those. Uh, they're fun, and they make you look good. You guys know which one, and it's fine. <laughs> Got three great kids. Some are easier and make life easier on you than others. But when I see a well-mannered teenager, young adult, when I see a millennial clock in on time, clock in at all I think somebody did something right right so honor is going up to the parents or dishonor is going up to the parents depending on how we all act right and so we give honor to God also by honoring our parents and so this is a lifelong thing um, many of us have kids in this room I make fun of mine all the time. I think they're fantastic. Uh, listen to Ephesians 6.4. Uh, it says, Fathers do not provoke... I like how it picks on dads right away. Fathers do not provoke your children. God knows us so well. To anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. God is holding me accountable to trust Him in how I raise my kids. And that if I make room for God in my children's life, there's another Scripture, by the way, it says teach them in the ways of the Lord as they're young, they won't depart from it. That's the Adam translation. We're making room for God in the lives of our kids. There's a reason why this church will always spend an obscene amount of money on our children's ministry. As much as we possibly can, and I'm going to always want more. 
We're going to be rolling into youth ministry and more stuff for young adults because I want to make room for God in the next generation. Right? And it's worth it. And so, but I also have an obligation to, to not just handle my kids out of my flesh, which I'm really good at doing. I can be, ve- I can be very grouchy and very upset. And I've, I've, I know that I've said things that I shouldn't have said, right? And I know I've acted in ways I shouldn't have acted. And God is holding me accountable to His Word saying, you've got to leave room for me in how you deal with your kids. And oh, by the way, they should know about me. Right? So it's not just the Sunday school teacher's job. I need to be sharing Jesus with my kids. And you might think, oh, that's got to be easy for Pastor Adam. No, we've got we've to do this on purpose. How do we make room for God in our marriage, marriages? Anybody married in here? Come on. I'm going on 20 million years. It's fantastic. No, let's see, 20, yeah, 24 this August. Listen to Ephesians 5, 21 through 25. It says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Oh yeah, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Translation, submit, submit, submit to that crazy person you're living with. Put them first, regardless of what planet you may think they're from today. Or what language you, are, you wonder that they speak. I, I speak a different language than my wife. It's, it's bizarre. I, we will say, I will be very clear with what I'm talking about. And, and, and she will not think I'm being very clear. And I'm like, I'm using my words, you know. I'm, they're, they're coming out. I'm using all of them. I make room for God in my marriage by treating my wife first like she deserves or doesn't deserve it. It, it doesn't matter what level she has uh, earned my affection that day. And so instead of being kids on a playground where we trade toys at the same time, and we're holding on to the one as we're grabbing the other, God is challenging husbands and wives to look at each other and just give first and trust God that your needs will be met. He's looking at us to give to our kids first and trust that He will take care of them. He's he's asking us to give first in our friendships. He's asking us to give first to the people we work with. How do we make room for God in our friendships? Listen to John 15. Twelve through thirteen. 
This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. We can see how to be a friend by looking at how Jesus treated His friends. He deserved all honor and glory, and yet we see a picture of Him kneeling and washing their feet. And then, of course, we all see Him up on a cross, literally laying down His life for us. And so these words say that there's, there's no greater friend than one that would give His life away. And you're not asking that at the same time. You're just saying, I see a need here. It's going to cost me something. And I'm not worried about how this is getting paid back. <coughs> so many times we fall into the world system of being transactional in how we deal with people. And how we deal even with our friends. And how we deal with our kids. And how we deal with our spouses. And how we deal with our parents. And that transactional thing is, I'm doing this for you. What are you doing for me? Or I'm doing this for you, and so you will do this for me. Right? And so we're keeping a ledger with every person we're connected to. Now, I'm up for good bookkeeping. We, we've got we to gotta keep track of the numbers here for the church, and, and I like to keep my bills paid at home and know where the money's going. But if I look out at this group of people, and all I see are either debts or balances due to me, oh, that guy owes me a favor, then that's going to be the one I ask for help after service. Because I let him borrow my truck a few weeks ago. He owes me one. Or man, i got to avoid that person because they, I owe them quite a bit. When we're transactional with people, when we're keeping a ledger sheet on every person that's in our life, you are more focused on bookkeeping and, and balancing that out than you are on just meeting people's needs and loving people. And so what God is asking us to do today, He's saying, tear that book apart. That is not a ledger we are supposed to keep as believers. We're not supposed to keep it in the workplace. We're not supposed to keep it with our kids. Good luck if your kids ever balance you out, right? I couldn't, there's no way I could outgive what my parents and what Danielle's parents have given to me and her. There's no way. And so if they always treated me like I owe them, when my parents ask me to do something, it's never you have to, it's can you, right? And anytime I, I do something for them, it's never because I'm trying to work off a debt. It's yeah, I can and I want to. Right? And so we want to be that way with people. And, and, and I've been around people that are transactional and, and they are, they're very difficult because you never feel like they're accepting a gift for you. It's just something that they owe you a 
debt in return. I, I'm thankful that you helped me, but it just means that now I have to help you sometime. No, 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 no. Freely, this has been given to me, and freely I give it away. And so we're supposed to tear these things up. We put God first in our relationships by making this margin for Him. And, and when we don't keep that transaction, that means we are trusting Him to meet our needs. A true friend gives without any thought of cost or reward. Now, I'll be honest with you that you have to consider, when I say consider the cost, I'm saying you're not like, oh my gosh, he's going to owe me. But you have to consider reasonably if you can do something or not. You know, no, I can't help you today. I'm, I, I, I can't. I may not even, I just might not even want to today. That's, that's part of this margin thing too, by the way, is, is not feeling, we talked about that. We can't say yes to everything. So it's not a matter of being transactional. It's, I can, I should, I want to. You know, you figure out the reasons for doing something, and then you just give it. And so we should consider, like, can I afford to do this? I'd love to give everybody a bunch of money, but I can't, you know. Uh, so, I mean, you have to be able to give the need without it, you know. That's part of margin is we don't, we have to steward what we have, Right? Let's keep going here. What about work relationships? What about bosses? Ooh. What about employees? Ooh. Ephesians 6, 5-9. I love it that the Bible speaks to, speaks to everything. Ephesians 6, 5-9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters, with deep respect and fear. Serve them with sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm. What? Not on Monday morning. No, no, no. Enthusiasm is Friday at approximately 4.10. Enthusiasm? As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, don't treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember that we both have the same Master in heaven and He has no favorites. In all of your relationships, you might be the leader. You might be the follower. You might be a co-laborer. Hopefully that's how it is in your, in your relationship with your spouse. Hopefully you have relationships like that at work. But then especially in the workplace, um, military for sure, you got plenty of people above you. And as you move forward, you got people below you. And these words are, are speaking to us that we've got to treat both like Christ. And that attitude of, of pleasing the person that you're obligated to is really foreign to us as we are just, we're just engrossed in, in, our, in 
in selfishness, basically, and that, and that the job is for us, you know, that the, the benefits are for us, and, and they just better be thankful that I showed up today. <coughs> right? And, oh my gosh, you mean I, I've got to work all five days this week? What? Some overtime? You're crazy. You, you want me to do my job the whole time I'm on the clock? Oh, no, 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 no. I have to, I have social media. I, I got people that are expecting updates, right? Am I speaking honestly about everybody who works, like, like Amazon, they make people lock their phones away. That's like, it's no wonder they're going to take over the world. Everywhere I work, everywhere I go, people got their phones out. It's like, you're crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't shaken this crazy cough yet. We put God first at work by doing it for Him and trusting Him for our reward. And so you may be in a situation where you may be being held back by somebody. I've been in situations where I knew that I was not going to get a promotion no matter how hard I worked. Have you been there before? Your your flesh is going to tell you that it's time to pull back. You might as well just clock in and out because it isn't going to move the needle. Now, you might need to change your job depending on that situation. It might be too toxic and you might, you might have to move on. But if God is keeping you there, then you are supposed to keep working as if you are working for the Lord. Because these verses say that is who you're working for. And it might not move the needle on your paycheck or ever get that joker to ever appreciate you or give you the credit that you deserved. But there are other people watching you and you are living your life for a different kingdom above that kingdom. Right? I'm, this is tough stuff. I'm not. Can, can we learn tough stuff here? Okay. What about, what about the stranger? What about the people at the bottom of society? I don't know them. They don't know me. It isn't going to hurt them and what I do or don't do. We have these words for us in Matthew 25. Thirty-seven through forty. I had to pick lots of scriptures with my with my throat hurting. It was brilliant. Um, then these righteous ones will reply, "Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you?" And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Do you see a theme in these verses today? It means that I need to treat and care for my wife like I would meet the needs of Jesus. 
It means I need to treat my kids like how I would treat and meet the needs of Jesus. This means that I need to look at my friends and treat them and meet their needs like I would meet the needs of Jesus. Coworker, employee, boss, stranger, poor, sick, in prison. Treat them as if they were Jesus. And these words can fall flat on us and they can leave us challenged. They can leave us a little frustrated even. And maybe even like, man, I wish somebody would treat me like I was Jesus. You know, this would be nice if, you know, something come my way. Well, of course we feel that way. That's our nature. And that's what God is trying to change. He wants us to look more and more like what He calls His firstborn Son of many, and that's Jesus. He's in this process of wanting all of us to look like Him. And how did Jesus treat the prostitute? How did Jesus treat the tax collector? How did Jesus treat the guilty thieves and murderers on both sides of Him on the other two crosses? How did Jesus treat the people that put the nails through His hands? How did Jesus treat the people that abandoned Him on the night that He was betrayed? How did Jesus... He constantly loved them first. And when we love people first, when we do not keep that record of wrongs and even rights, I've got great people in my life that have blessed me like crazy. But even then, it's just supposed to move through me, give glory to God for them. Thank you. I don't owe them anything, but I'm just grateful to be I'm grateful to know them, grateful to be their kid, grateful to be their friend, grateful to be their dad, you know. But I want to live my life in a way that trusts God to meet my needs. Like Jesus, we are called to love first, even though some may choose to reject us. You've been rejected? That's a fun one. Yeah. I've been rejected. And sometimes you may have to walk, like there, you might not have anything further that you can do in that relationship at that time. There are times to say, I've, I've, I've done, I've, I've repented for my part of this. I've, I've chosen to love this person. They're not reciprocating this or accepting or forgiving me. And you might just have to park that thing and leave it in God's hands. I've had that multiple times in my life. My only obligation there, and it's still a big one, is to keep my heart tender towards the Lord that if anything else would surface in me that I would need to repent for, that I'd be willing to, and that I want life for them and and forgiveness for them and not to see them punish or pay. Right? So it's one thing to walk away from a relationship and just trust God with it, but if you're really hoping that, gosh, I hope they're on the next cruise ship that, you know, has, has Ebola, you know, 
I mean, you can't, you can't want, where did I pull that from? I don't know. Like, this is how Christians are mean to people. Like, we're not going to actually curse somebody, but like, I wouldn't be so bad if something, you know, kind of bad happened to them. Like, accidentally, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to, you know. I'm not going to push their kid down in a race, but it'd be nice if their kid tripped. Like, like, you just don't want them to succeed. Here's where you know that your heart is okay. It's tough. That if all of a sudden it looks like heaven is just pouring out on their home and everything they touch turns to gold, you can be okay with it. You've got to just say, God, that's yours. If, if we could ever be reconciled, I'll, I'll do my part, but I'm going to walk away. But, but I can't. I've got to be able to bless them. You've got to be able to bless them. Do you see what I'm saying? Sorry, that was way too, that was, that was like level five. We can't talk about that here, right? I'll go back down to level three. No. Like Jesus, we're called to love first, even though some may choose to reject us. We have to ask, whose kingdom are we building? So let's look at that relationship garden as we close today. Ask God to show it to you. There might be parts of it that aren't as healthy as you think there are. There might be something that He wants to grow there that isn't growing. There might be something you've walked away from that He said, you know what, I... You need to revisit this. Can you bless, even if, even if something's broken with that person, can you honestly pray that they would be blessed today? If you can't, then that, you've got you to keep letting God go in after your heart. It's not natural to, to pray blessings on people that have rejected you. It's It's not. That is, a, that is a work of the Holy Spirit inside your heart. That, is, that will be fruit of the Lord changing you from the inside out. You can't just conjure that up. Because I naturally will want them to suffer at least a little bit. Okay? What's in that relationship garden? God, what do you want it to look like? I can give you an idea. He wants it to be healthy. He wants the credit for it to go up just like if you see a healthy young person functioning in life or you see, uh, you think, oh my gosh, mom and dad got most of it right at least. Like, they, they, mom and dad are, are on point there. And there could have been all kinds of craziness in that house, but you can see that 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 kid was loved and raised right. That's what the garden should do in our life. That's what our relationship should do. They should point to Father God and and people should be able to see the way I treat people and say, that person is loved. They know that they're valuable. They know that they're secure. They know that they're provided for. And so they are able to give away freely to other people without keeping a ledger. That is only going to give glory up to our Father in heaven. Amen? So as we move forward in this week, as we wrap up this series next week, 
This is about making space for God in a maxed out life. And what our tendency to do in relationships is to, they're just extensions of ourselves as we're working through life. And so when there's no margin, when there isn't any margin, then all of our, even our good relationships, they will, they will fall into transactional relationships. Because all you are trying to do is move through life. And so I need this person to do this for me. I need, we're good, we love each other, that's my wife, or that's my best friend, uh, that's my kid, but we are just functioning. Do you see what I'm saying? We are just moving forward. And there's, that's, part, that's part of why we need each other is to get things done. This church couldn't happen without the 50 people that make it happen every Sunday. But if there's never an understanding that you're more valuable to me because I love you than what you do for me, we've missed it. And that's what I always want to get right here at Family Church is that, is that there is room for God, there's room for who we are as people, and that you are going to be valued here. And we're going to trust God to meet our needs. Can we pray this morning? God, I thank You for this Word. God, I thank You for relationships. God, sometimes they can be very painful, either through losing someone or through rejection or, or even a broken relationship at times, God. And so, one of our tendencies can be to pull back and not be so connected to people. God, everything that Your Word says is opposite of that. We are supposed to live connected lives. And God, we are supposed to pour our love through onto other people first, regardless of what's coming back from them towards us. And God, that means that we have to trust You to meet our needs. One more time, I want you to picture that relationship garden. I have one, you have one. Yours might have just a couple plants in it. I've been blessed. I got lots of people in my life. Lots of people. Got kids. Got a wife. I've got parents. I've got in-laws, I've got friends. I've got enemies. I've got people that have rejected me as a person. I've got coworkers, I've got employees. I've got a boss. God, I thank you that you want that garden to bring glory to you. God, I thank you that every relationship I have is something that you've trusted me with. And God, I pray that you would forgive me for maxing them out. God, that you would forgive me for being transactional in my home with my family. God, that you would forgive me for being transactional with my extended family with my siblings, with my parents. God, that I've been transactional with my coworkers, with my boss. 
God, with my neighbors, with my friends. God, forgive me for every time I've kept track of something that somebody owes me or that I've owed them. God, I pray that I would tear that up today. God, I pray that I would love freely, that I would give away this love that you've poured into my heart, that I would give it away and give it away and give it away and give it away and give it away, God, so that you would be glorified. And God, I trust you to meet my needs. And God, I thank you for every person that loves me back. It is a beautiful part of my life. But God, may I be able to love in such a way that I'm not dependent upon another returning, ever returning from another person because of the love I know that you have for me. Turn me loose, Jesus. Turn this church loose. If you need touch from Jesus this morning, you see some part of your relationship gardens in trouble, and you know that it cannot be salvaged with human care. And you want to do your part And you want to ask Father God for help this morning. Would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to agree with you in prayer. I see those hands. Any more hands this morning? God has shown you something that he wants to work on and to change in that relationship garden. I see those hands. Father God, we submit these to you. We may have had a role in it, minor or large. God, somebody else or other people may have had a much more significant role in causing this pain. But God, we see the fruit that you want to be there. And so we submit our part, our role to you. Help us to humble ourselves where necessary. And where necessary, help us to be quiet where necessary. God, help us to speak up and to, and to address something if necessary. God, I thank you for your wisdom, your grace, your healing, and your miraculous power to fix relationships. And God, I thank you that you're going to in the lives of the people in this room. We look for miracles in our relationships today. Before we close in worship, is there anybody that's never accepted the love of Jesus for themselves? You've never chosen to follow Christ. You've never accepted forgiveness that's needed for your sins. If today's your day, I want you to raise your hand. We want to agree with you in prayer and celebrate a new life with Father God. Is anybody in this place this morning? Father God, we thank you for this series. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for relationships. We thank you that we can trust you in everything by putting you first. Help us, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's close with worship. There'll be prayer teams up front here this morning. If you need prayer for anything related to the message, you might have a a sore toe this morning. God doesn't, he cares whatever it is. You might have a concern on somebody else's behalf and you want somebody to agree with you. You can always fill out the prayer request cards, but man, come forward and pray with somebody about something this morning. Let's worship.